And hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Recording here on Sunday, July 5th. So I hope everybody had a lovely Independence Day, however you celebrated it. If you celebrated it, I don't know. Uh, Feelings are kind of mixed in this country right now, and it's a, it's a little bit of an interesting time. I, of course, am not here alone today. I am joined, as always, by my fellow nerds, DPP, the scientist. How you doing, sir? Oh, wonderful. I had a great 4th of July sitting outside watching the neighbors fire off a plethora of fireworks. I think everybody did that. Everybody just yeah. did their own fireworks this year. Yeah. Uh we're, we're not alone, of course. We're joined by Mr. David Ungar. David, how are you doing today? Doing all right. Survived the fourth. Uh, kept the Good dogs survive. from kept the dogs from killing themselves. So that's a uh, accomplishment every year. That's nice. just a uh, yeah. Like I said to you off the air, the fourth for us is like purge night for these poor dogs. It's just it's a I uh, bet. a disaster. So uh, you know, I mean, it was it was the fourth. Hey, there wasn't a big earthquake this year and there hasn't been one today so that's an improvement over last year baby steps 2020 baby yeah of course we got of course we got kanye you know announcing he's running for president so it's like the apocalypse just keeps coming (laughs) shit he might win oh god please stop just stop this point anybody doesn't matter at this point anybody's gonna win (laughs) right right i actually spent my fourth watching ESPN from about 3 p.m. on because the basketball tournament, a $1 million, I think is what it is, basketball tournament with 24 teams of former college basketball players uh, started this past this past week in Columbus, Ohio. And it's pretty cool. It's uh, The rules are these teams are built out of former universities and you have to have X number of alumni from the university on the team. And so the University of Illinois, this is the first year they've had a team. And so they had like six or seven alumni from their uh, basketball program that created this team. And they went head to head with a bunch of former Auburn players and the winning team at the end of this tournament, uh, which takes, Oh, it goes over a a couple of weeks. They, uh, they win a million bucks and they get to split it amongst the teams, however they want to. And it's, it's a live it's live sports. It was live sports basketball. They they play using uh, the Elam rule to finish the game, which I'd never heard of. But apparently, it's how they end the NBA All Star game now, where after the first stoppage of play in the fourth quarter under four minutes becomes a baseline score, where the leading team has to get their score plus eight, and the first team to that target score wins. And so Illinois blew the Auburn team out of the gym. It was, it was fun for me to watch, but, uh, live sports. And it was weird. No, no audience to, to speak of the, uh, the play by play guys. It was Dan Dockage and some other guy. I don't know. Clearly were in different locations while doing the game. So, and, and yet it didn't feel like it didn't feel as clunky as I thought it would feel. And honestly, lost track of the fact that there was no crowd. By the time you got it, about halfway through the first quarter, no, no, no crowd. So it was good. I, I had a little scotch and watched some live sports. So how much of the 
uh, talking on the court can you hear since there's no crowd and anything like that? Is it you, you, you can hear, hear a lot quite, of the noise? You hear quite a bit, but it's definitely on a delay because there were more there was more than one occasion where a shot goes up and you just hear enough dead air as the guy knows he missed and he has dropped an expletive like a fuck or shit or whatever. And ESPN didn't want to run with it. The, uh, but yeah, it's, it is actually kind of cool. You could hear, you could hear the chatter on the court. You couldn't hear a lot of, at least with the way these teams were running, I couldn't hear play calling or anything like that other than when they were trying to get on the, get out on the break. Uh, Illinois has this guy, Andres Feliz who played on their, uh, just graduated, so he was on the, this past year's team. And every time he would start a run out, you would hear him be like, hey, 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 And that would be him trying to get somebody's attention to start a fast break. Nice. So it was interesting. It's really, it's, it's, I think it's a flavor of what we'll see with whatever the NBA is if the NBA happens. Yeah. I'm uh, sorry. So I dogs, are that, still, I... dogs are still upset, apparently. So go yeah. ahead, Dan. <laughs> They still, well, they got PTSD from yesterday. So. They do, they do. <laughs> I, I do too after dealing with them. So, um, yeah, I what was on this morning the NWSL, I guess the National Women's Soccer League or something like that. I was watching a little bit of that. Just say okay, and I mean I've been catching some of the Premier League stuff, which is kind of good. But yeah, I'm you know other than pro wrestling, there really hasn't been much in the way of live sports, and I use sports air quoting it. When we're talking about pro wrestling, but uh, yeah, I mean I. You know, I guess we could we could broach this topic, but do you guys really think that any of the sports are actually going to start this year? Because I really have doubts that there is going to be baseball, basketball, hockey, football. Yeah, I'm a little on the fence as to what's going to happen there. But I'm just like, you know, like I sent you a link the other night, Patrick. A lot of the blues have tested positive for COVID. You're seeing it. uh, Freddie Freeman for the Atlanta Braves. Tested positive. Jimmy Johnson and NASCAR tested positive. Uh, every sport that they're trying to restart. What FC Dallas couldn't go to Vancouver for the MLS restart because they've got issues. And I'm just like, as much as I want to see sports, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, just throw in the towel on 2020, guys. You know, circle the wagons. Get ready right. for 2021. This this year's lost. And as much as I'm like you, I want to see live sports again, but it's just like. This is just a bad idea. I mean, you're just trying to I, make it I happen. Agree. Yeah. Well, well I, I I work at a university. Uh, we we know this. I, I work for the University of Massachusetts, so you know, like that's no secret. And I'm not revealing anything that hasn't been put out to the public. But the uh, the university announced this past week their their fall plan, their fall semester plan of what they're hoping to do, and it's you can see. Why? Like, I understand why they're trying to do what they're trying to do. And it's really interesting because part of me is a little selfish because I need I work in our I work in housing. I work in the residence hall uh, business. So they're they're having a fall semester where the majority of the classes, with very few exceptions, like labs, where you actually have to be in a lab to like do chemistry stuff or biology or whatever it is. Those courses are still being offered with in-person instruction, but the majority of courses are being offered remotely. The strange part of this whole thing is, though, is that the university is still welcoming students back into the residence halls at full capacity right now. So the plan is if you like our upper class students have already gone through their housing selection process currently right now the plan is is that if you have an assignment for the fall you can move it 
if you want. Now, the students have the opportunity to opt out at no penalty uh, for a period of time. Like we're giving them a deadline. At a certain point, we have to make decisions on how we're going to get everybody in. But it's, it's one of these things. It's like universities know that they need these folks. And, and it's, it's callous, but it's partially a revenue thing, without a doubt. Because these universities can't keep functioning if there's no, particularly if you're a public institution. You know, if you're a private institution with a huge endowment or whatever, yeah, you probably could survive. But it's the same thing with athletics. And it's the same reason why universities are doggedly sticking to this bring them back and practice plan. Because there's so much money to be had for athletic departments, if in, in particular for football. And there's been multiple universities, like the University of Clemson has had 37 members of their football program, whether that's coaches or players, test positive, and they are still going ahead. Oklahoma came out with, I think, 14 was their first announced number, and they're still going ahead with this process and this protocol. Some schools are choosing to disclose, some are not, but the numbers don't lie. And the states that are we're counting on to kind of get sports going are the ones that are the ones that are in real trouble right now. Like Florida is in real trouble right now. Texas is exploding. Arizona, all these places, California, where, <laughs> California, where it was theorized that the weather was going to be such to help. It ain't helping. So, you know, you ask a very good question, Dave, I think they're going to try until they absolutely can't. Unfortunately. Right. And I mean, the thing is, Athletes are testing positive, but virtually none of them have really exhibited symptoms. So, you know, and that's going to that's going to fuel the whole thing. Hey, you know what? It's it's just part of life. It's something we got to deal with, which is fine and great until the hospitals are overrun with the people who can't deal with it and can't. Right. Well, it. I mean, and that's where it all falls apart. And that's the thing that's interesting as I look at I'll use the University of Illinois as a model. The way that the way that they brought their athletes back is it's from what I understand, it's being, they're bringing them back in like waves, small groups. Um, and I don't know how they're being reintroduced into a population. Are they getting tested before they go to their, you know, wherever they're going to live for the year? How's that really working? How often are they getting tested? We don't know. Most schools are keeping that tight to their vests. And so it could very well be that we're coming back getting tested, but then not really you know, you're, you're found positive and then you're being asked to, to isolate for your 14 days or whatever. And they're never really coming into contact with the population. Like that's, that's the stuff that we don't know. And it's just really easy to report out. Oh my gosh, everything's falling apart because everybody's positive. So, but we don't know. And I I don't think it's a good idea, honestly, for sports. Uh, and, And this is coming from, I thoroughly enjoyed watching a day of basketball yesterday. And the second round of first round games for that tournament starts in at, at three o'clock this afternoon on um, on ESPN again uh, on the fifth when we're recording this. Not now when you're listening to the podcast when it drops on Tuesday, but and it's it's fun. There's a Wisconsin team just for for I can't remember what the name of it, name of it is, but uh, I know Illinois advanced to play an Ohio State team, so. I know. And no, the Ohio no State rivalry team there. All. <laughs> no, not at all. Well, and the Ohio State team won it all last year. And there is a little bit of added drama and intentional drama. There's a former player for Illinois, because once you get your minimum number of uh, alums, 
you can then bring in other athletes. And Dimitri McKamey, who was a basketball player for Illinois about a decade ago, he played with the Ohio State team last year that won it all and then agreed to rejoin the team before Illinois had formed theirs. So there's like this little like fun storyline of this former Illinois player is going to go up against an Illinois team and uh, it's all in good fun. But, you know, that tournament already sent three teams home for positive cases. So right. and, and once one problem. <laughs> yeah, and once right. one person tests positive, you're out. Right. That's that's without. And, and what happens you know, when that no happens with that. the NBA? You know, OK, LeBron exactly. tested positive. Lakers are gone. They're one of the favorites to win. LeBron tested. Oh, sorry, the whole team's gone. It's just, it's just, right. if that's your standard that a positive test eliminates you, as opposed to just, well, let's eliminate the positive person. And, but yeah, exactly. If you're a teammate, you've been exposed, you've exposed your entire, yeah. So it's just, it's just dumb. Yeah, There's no way to control it. it. That's a whole different type of elimination tournament right there. That <laughs> is, yeah, that is, that Ooh. is survival of the fittest super, there. Try to make it bets super, on that. Super single, sing, super single elimination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, all right, well, this is a nerd podcast, and while sports, you know, I think that sports nerddom does exist out there, we do have quite a loaded show, kind of a heavy show this week, and for that, I I hope everybody enjoys the conversations we have. We are going to talk about episode six of The Boys. Which will be the lightest lightest topic of anything we're going to talk about, probably. (laughs) Uh, No, no, because we are going to talk a little HBO Max and uh, and DC, because again, we can't escape. DC these days, guys. Every week, it seems like we're talking about something with DC, which is, I don't think, a bad thing. So we're we need some Marvel news. We need some Marvel news desperately. Marvel's Marvel's been so quiet lately, but we are going to talk about so. some news. We are going to talk about some news a little bit out of Cards Against Humanity. We will talk about Marvel in the second half of the show, as we're going to talk about a Time Magazine article that came out talking about superheroes in the superhero genre. And whether or not that needs to be reevaluated the same way that we've looked at uh, police portrayals in, in entertainment. So kind of heavy. And then we are going to do a little foreshadowing for next week's show. I do have a question for the two of you to wrap up this week. But before we get into all of that, let's start with this week's poll, which apparently our 20 some listeners are not Cohen Brothers fans. <laughs> yeah. Well, 14, numbers, 14 numbers of them are. 14. Uh, but this uh, it, they it, all picked they, the they same all, one. Was it a runaway? No, it was it close. Wasn't a run, it it wasn't was close. Complete runaway. Oh, brother, we're out there. Came in close second, right? It was like forty-three to thirty-six or something. It was. It was closer right. than I thought it was going to be. And but, and at full disclosure to you guys, I really don't think that on further reflection that I've seen the Great Lebowski. I'm thinking of well, something different. One, obviously, you big haven't. Lebowski. Big, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> See, exactly. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So, Return of the Sith. Yeah. The Phantom's Return of the Phantom. Phantom of the, Phantom of the Sith. That's what it was. Phantom of the Sith. <laughs> Clone Phantoms of the Sith uh, Force Awakens. Yeah, that's something right, right. like that. Well, as as you just mentioned there, Dave, yes, the Big Lebowski did win this week's poll. You're in for a treat and something special. I hope so. At least in my opinion. I, I adore this movie and not just because I'm a bowler. So I... I I, I don't know, it's Dave. A, I don't know if you can trust Patrick's uh, recommendations. Though, uh, when it comes to is it is it a bowling so what movie? What you like and don't like. So I don't know. <laughs> is it a bowl? It's a bowling based movie. The bo- is- bowling, bowling. It's not about bowling though. Like yeah. the, I, I don't want to ruin it too much, but like 
bowling is like this sort of like center. Like every time something happens in the movie, they didn't end up back at the bowling alley. But uh, bowling isn't what the movie's about. So it's not like it's sense. not like Kingpin, which is centered around bowling. No, it is not a. It is a movie with. It's bowling centric, but not about bowling. Hey Dan, you're a scientist. Let me ask you: Can you get sick from drinking piss? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. So speaking of trash movies, uh, apparently I, I, uh, Dave and I have wildly different opinions of the movie that, that the one this past week, oh. our, our review of dumb and dumber is up. We ran the spectrum with myself on the, let's just call it the low end, <laughs> the low end DPP kind of squarely in the middle. You were slightly ahead of the two and a half. You went three star or three points or whatever, three out of five. And then Dave, uh, you it's apparently your uh, it's your Citizen Kane because you gave it a five out of five and, and raved about it almost to the same level. I and I wish I understood why. I just don't get it. I, I and again, good faith effort tried to watch this movie again, and I did, and was just mad the whole time I was watching this movie. I was just angry at how insipid, vapid. And awful this movie was. Ugh. But I you know what? Say something nice about it, Dave. Say something nice. I, I, it. I don't look, I don't get it. I mean, I understand that if it's just not your style of humor, then you're gonna hate it. And it's clearly not your style of humor. It's it more in line, I mean, DP's a little bit, you know, not as I don't know. I don't know what it what about it appealed to me. There's just a lot of stuff when it came out that just I mean, it was at the height of when Jim Carrey was as hot as anything that was going. And, you know, Jeff Daniels, I think of Jeff Daniels, I think of arachnophobia in a very more serious role. And he actually did this portrayal of Harry really well. And and I also have to apologize to something else. Like, I did not realize that Dumb and Dumber 2 was the actual, it was, they brought back Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels for that. I thought, I know there was a spinoff of something that was dumb. That was like not the original cast, but it's there like was, there was Dumb and Dumber. Right. That was, was the like, one I was thinking afterwards, of. afterwards, which was like, yeah, two completely different characters. And I have, like, I have honestly not seen the sequel, so I can't comment on it other than somebody called us out <laughs> that the picture that got posted on the article was from the sequel and not from the way original movie. Marco. And I'm like, way to go, guys. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. But I, I, I got to be honest. Greg DeMarco is the one who uh, who pulls out those photos. So I, I sent photos along with like one of the articles and he didn't use any of them. So Greg should be ashamed I, of himself message, for message, that. Message faux received. <laughs> I got over it. Yeah. I, I, it's just, it's, it's a movie that I just thought some of it was clever. Um, yeah. There's still, some really, I mean, ad- it's a very quotable movie. Oh yeah. Oh, all the time. I, because, I still quote them. So you're telling me there's a chance, you know? Right. Chance. I, I hey, you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> that's, how, that's how I opened. That's how I opened my review. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I was, I was very proud of that. I was very clever. Uh, I liked it. It worked out great. For Selling me. a headless parakeet <laughs> to a blind kid. Oh, that God. Was uh, sell my dead bird to a bird. blind kid? Harry, I took care of it. And he duct tapes the bird's head <laughs> to its body. It's so bad. So Petey? Petey? Yeah, yeah I, I just <laughs> I don't understand why that's funny. I just don't. And, and this is coming from a Monty Python fan who loves the dead parrot skit. Well, it, it, it's so, it's good that uh, you know it, it kind of ties into Cards Against Humanity, which we're going to be talking about later on, as to just yeah, we'll get there. sick people like me, Dan, not so much. You obviously not at all. You're the most rational one of us all, Patrick. Apparently, I don't know. I like Airplane. I like 
Kentucky Fried movie. Like right. I like it's problematic. So that's I, yeah, I, that's right I, up I, there with the slapstick and everything too. It's like it fits that genre. So I'm, I'm do, really surprised that you it, hate it as much as you do. I would think you'd I be somewhere in the middle like I me. Felt, I fell asleep <laughs> watching it the first time. It just bores me to tears. Like it just felt so damn redundant and and dumb. I mean, I know hey, that's such a dumb uh, way to describe I, it. I went and bought the unrated but, version right after the review dropped because uh, I, I didn't even realize it was an unrated version. I'm like, okay, now I got to watch this. Oh, I didn't know oh, that either. What's God, the difference? I, I don't. I, I don't know. know. I think like I saw one oh. thing where he falls off of the uh, the jetway and he ends up in the regular one. He lands on flat on his back on the unrated version. He's face down. So I don't imagine that can be the only difference. Mm. And okay. I don't think it makes any I'm difference. I'm a limo driver. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess the only other thing I could say is that I really don't particularly care for the Fairley brothers in general. Like the, a lot of their movies, like I just I don't get into them. So that's. For whatever reason, they do not work for me. When it comes to Jim Carrey movies, oddly enough, I, I tend to like Jim Carrey movies that didn't get reviewed very well. Like The Cable Guy is one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies in the whole world. It's a good one. And it got savaged by critics, just just crushed. Uh, and then I actually don't mind Jim Carrey when he takes on his like serious turns. Like I love Man on the Moon. He's in a he he does it. He has a cameo in a movie called Simon Birch. I really like uh, the Truman Show. There's an underrated as fuck yeah. movie. Right I like there, his, the Truman Show. Yeah, right. it's a little more like more serious, but still comedic. Like Liar Liar, I liked, and oh, Eternal God. Sunshine of the Spotless Mind was great. Right, I like the mask. Oddly enough, out yeah. of his slapstick stuff, like, and I think it's because it's a living cartoon sort of thing, like. Kind of, kind of Roger Rabbity and stuff like that. So, aren't there supposedly rumors they're going to do a third Ace Ventura? Because the first two are fantastic. I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love the first one. The second one was eh, okay. I, I mean, just, the Slinky joke was. Funny. I hate. I hate to. Uh, yeah, I hate them to come back and ruin things like that. What if they try and no, do I... something and just? That's the, usually the hardest thing with sequels, right? Is they just try and remake the first one to a point, and it's just like right. okay. We're looking at you, Bill and Ted 3. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Staring yeah. that one down the barrel of a gun. So, yeah, so next week we're reviewing The Big Lebowski. I'm very excited about this. I'm hopeful, Dave, Dave that you enjoy it. Dude, I'm if reviewing, you hate it, you hate it. I'm reviewing The Great Lebowski, so I don't know what you guys are watching. <laughs> you watching that one that's on Cinemax at 3 o'clock in the morning? Is the that, the, uh, that should be, is that the is title that the of this one? episode, The Great Lebowski? <laughs> Is that the prequel where they talk about the other Lebowski and how he got his uh, fortune and everything? Right. <laughs> Could be. It might be. Sorry, I was just thinking of all the jokes around. Yeah. Anyway, I, I can't. I don't want to spoil them. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's next week, we on the lookout. Yeah, the big Lebowski. Little little teaser for what's to come. You can already tell my review is going to be strong on this one. The exact opposite of the point five I gave Dumb and Dumber Spoiler alert, I'm not even ashamed of it. Don't watch this movie. It's terrible. Let's get into the oh, boys. That's like your opinion, man. And, and it's right. <laughs> but you have but that nice sound play. bite? Damn. Well, well played. No, I don't have that one. That's PC Tony special. Oh, I don't know. damn it. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the boys episode six, or as I like to call it, the truth of Homelander. You really start to see who Homelander is in this movie, or where where his... his um how he started to be how how he became what he is because everything about him is a lie mm -hmm. and he's had to wrestle with that 
Right. And you're starting to figure out that pretty much everybody's whole story is a lie. Like you start to realize that they're all basically like test tube babies for the most part. Right. That they're right. They were inserted with this compound V at birth and they're all, you know, homegrown people. And Homelander was basically raised in a just a white room by himself and didn't have anything but his blanket and kind of understand that whole issues his mommy issues that he has and why he's kind of absolutely uh you know clinging to, <laughs> to clinging to the mother character like oh now you understand yeah, speaking a of more. clinging she was able to get him to do his bidding by clinging on to uh his uh male body parts so a little homelanders yeah and, yeah exactly i mean are they are they all manufactured though because you, you there's a little tidbit that with starlight it was almost like her mother was saying something like I was born this way or something. So it, it makes me wonder is, you know, are they all manufactured or are there are some mutations that are, for lack of a better term, mutations that they're because they had to start somewhere. They couldn't have just created superpowers. In a, well, I guess they could have. Well, yeah, we don't know. The only the only person that they seem to expect that, that they can't find any background on is Homelander. So, it, you know, maybe Homelander is the source. It could be. Could be. Could be. Patrick, your volume dropped a little bit there. I don't know. Did, oh, did it? Yeah, did you did you hear that, Dan? I don't know. We're, yeah. We gotta be we gotta be your uh, quality control here. But All right. <laughs> Is it still down? Do I need to fix it? That's better. That's better. All right. Um maybe it's just from being unmuted, I don't know. Yeah, I this this I, I don't know if this was one of my favorite episodes, but it was certainly important. You know, you got the some background information you found out. Finally, what the female's name was, Kimiko, or something like that, right? Yep. Who yep. was believed by uh, Billy to be a terrorist because you got the introduction introduction of Mesmer, who can read minds Haley by Joel Osment. Yeah, yeah. God, is that that's who that was? Holy shit! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, why does he look familiar? Um, so he can read people <laughs> by touching them. An interesting power to have. Um, and he's sold everybody out to Homelander at this point in time. Starlight and Huey's relationship got to go to the next level. They shared a intimate moment. They shared a kiss, and finally Huey got Robin out of his fucking head. I'm like, good man, just go with it, man. Don't worry about it. Um, and now Butcher is going to out Huey to uh, to Starlight. But but it, it was interesting because it did it did strike me. One of the things I was wondering is, you know, would Starlight necessarily align with the Seven against these guys, or would she join up with the opposition? Because she certainly stood up to Madeline in this movie and said, I'm done playing your fucking game. This is what I'm going to do. Deal with it. So she's already on the outs with them. But yeah, Homelander. And you get got the big reveal, or at least the alleged reveal, that Homelander raped Butcher's wife. And she sat on a park bench for three hours and then either was killed or killed herself. So, you know, it gets darker. And, and this felt like, to me, episode six felt like they're really setting up for the final two episodes and okay, let's put these pieces in place. Here we go. Now we're just going to press the go button. And I expect the next two episodes are going to be really insane. And uh, I resisted, I resisted the pressure again to watch another episode last night, Patrick. Good job. Here's the other thing that I think was very, here's what was very (laughs) important to me in this episode that I think is a foreshadowing of the team's undoing. And that is, Butcher's feeling about any and all soups. Yes. 
There is all no, bad. there is no gray in his opinion when it comes to soups. And that feel like you could see it creating a lot of tension within the team because they see nuance there, whether it's Kimiko, whether it's Starlight, whether it's even, um, what was Haley Joel Osmond's name? Mesmer. 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 Whether it was even Mesmer, like that there's more to like that they are human beings. And that's one of the things I love about the boys in general is that all of these soups are human beings, whether it's a train struggling to, to hold on to his position as the fastest man on the planet, whether it's Maeve who clearly doesn't like her life, doesn't want her life and yet is staying with it. And her cynicism and the way that the job is beating her down, like that conversation she has with Starlight in the elevator where she tries to call out Starlight and Starlight's like, yo, here's who I am. And this, you used to be my hero. And here's what I'm seeing. Like, it's just, it's very well done. There's, there, the, yeah, it's going to be interesting moving forward to see what happens in these next two episodes in terms of will Billy cost the team because i really worry that billy costs costs the team in a big way outside of Haley joel osmond who is just looking for a job and i love it he's like low five figures he doesn't even care <laughs> like low ten thousand dollars here you go fine. low five figures ten thousand <laughs> he just wants to be, to be back again. in he does oh bless his heart so but now homelander yeah. knows who everybody is he knows who's involved. He yep. knows Butcher's involved. Right. And you could definitely see the recognition when he looked at that picture like, oh, you again, you fuck. Uh, so it, it's going to all come to a head. But uh, but yeah, you raise a good point. Billy, there is no there is no room for error. In his mind, right. if you're super powered, you are the enemy. You are evil. You need to be taken down at all costs. Oh. And, he, and he brings him to that support group right. to kind of prove, try to prove his point. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God, Jesus. The one where, you know, she climaxed and basically froze my dick off. I mean, wow. That's uh, and he's and he's a writer. He's one of the writers for Vaught. Yeah, (laughs) it's crazy. Like, you're still part of the team, even though that happened to you. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. But and like Huey's trying to convince Billy that Starlight's okay. Look, she's she's a good person. She's not one of them. Billy's having none of it. And he's going to let her know. That, hey, Huey killed Translucent, which I kind of have a suspicion is not going to have the effect with Starlight that Billy anticipates, which may be the turning point where she's probably going to be like, that fucker deserved it. Uh, You know, that sort of thing. I'm fine with it. We're going to see how she reacts to that. But uh, I mean, that's the big thing is, is Huey's going to have to explain to Starlight that, yeah, it started off this this way, but you're really cool and I really like you. and, And I think we really have feelings for each other. And. Obviously, I, well, I know obvious, but it's probably not going to end well for those involved. We'll see. I mean, she, she offered to run away with him. Yeah, she kind of did. Let's go on this vacation to, uh, no, and she was like, let's go, let's do it now. Let's do it. And I'll fly us there. It's all right. right. And that's part of the split, right? I mean, that's the, you know, like you mentioned, it's the human element, right? It's, it's basically, you know, you think of them as, as not even as superheroes, but as humans. And Billy at that point is like, just all humans are garbage basically to the, to that point. And, right. you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, is, is he right? Because he's all Mesmer turned on him and went to Homelander, went straight to Homelander. He didn't, he wasn't necessarily a good guy. He didn't keep quiet. 
right. you know, far everybody that we've seen is that's been a superhero with the exception of Starlight has been kind of a horrible person or has some bad sides to them that are uncomfortable right. with something. And she's the only one that seems to stand up for herself and not follow the, you know, the norm that she's supposed to be as this hero of Vought and the seven. So, uh, you know, that's going to be the interesting thing is who's going to win out in the end. And where's, where are these splits going to go? Because you got, you know, is, you know, Billy's side going to win or is, you know, is Starlight going to go run off and do her own thing? Or is she going to join a side? Cause she's kind of in the middle with Huey almost where they're in between the superheroes fighting against the, the butcher, you know? So right. that's got to come to a head here. So and, right. We you know, only got two episodes to go fellas. So again, I said see it, it sooner rather than later. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I really appreciate you guys with all your bullshit, like you don't know what's going to happen next, because I, I do appreciate that, that you guys are just feeding in these possibilities. Well, it could go this way. It might go that way. We know how it's really going to go, but we're going to lead you down this path, Dave, and, uh, and and watch it all fall apart on you. Yeah. Speaking of that, I, I, I got to say, like the next series, I know we've been talking about like Doom Patrol. My wife and my niece binged watched the shit out of that all last week. They liked it a lot. Yeah, I've heard good things. So I know. Gonna, see, so they watch season one and season two, huh? I don't. I guess. I guess they've been doing that. But uh, oh, that season two's out already too. Jesus. All right. right. Well, that's going to be. We're, we're actually we're actually getting to a point where new entertainment is hitting the airwaves. It's kind of exciting, right? It'll have to go on the poll. We'll see. We'll I'm, see what happens. I'm so with the confused. Poll. Yeah. What do uh, I do? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> Make up our mind. All right. Well, we got two episodes I'm, I'm left. Confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I spoke over Homer Simpson there. Oh, my bad. So yeah, we got two episodes to go. I look forward to to reading Dave's reaction in the room come next week and the week after. And then yeah, we'll cross that bridge. That's uh that's future bandwagons problems the next show. So but we're gonna move ahead. We're gonna talk we brought up HBO Max. That's actually kind of a nice segue, Dave, talking about the Doom Patrol, but there and DC in particular, because there was a news report that that came out this week that the newest Harley Quinn animated series that I think airs on Cartoon Network after hours. It's part of like their, um, oh gosh, Toonami or whatever the, I don't know that it's called Toonami anymore, but it's like Adult Swim. But uh, the Harley Quinn cartoon is going to be playing on HBO Max and not the DC Universe. So I'm very excited about this because it means that I'm going to be able to watch both seasons of the Harley Quinn cartoon because I am extremely interested. I do believe uh, Kelly, I think it's Kelly Kuko voices Harley in the show. I haven't seen any of these episodes. Dave, have you? I don't know if you've seen any of them yet at all or if you've given it a watch. Not really. A little bit here and there, but I, you know, I, I don't subscribe to the DC streaming service, which I know they've called DC Universe, which to me is confusing as fuck because like, wait. DC right. Universe, that could be the comics. That could be the cinematic universe. Now you're telling me it's a streaming service. Okay. No wonder people don't know what the hell's going on. Come up with an well, original and, name, guys. Well, DP, do you have the, do you have the streaming service? Did, did you invest in the DC Universe? I have not, no. no. It definitely strikes me as something for the hardcores. Well, and if you're if it's going to be stuff like this and everything, yeah, that's definitely more people that are really looking for that kind of stuff and the hardcore stuff. Cause if you're not getting the movies or 
anything else like you do at Disney, then right. it's, is it really worth it? <laughs> Especially right. if you watch, I, watch them somewhere else that, you know, exactly. And here's the thing is this, this animated series from what I understand has been pretty well received, critically well received. It focuses mostly on Harley Quinn and poison Ivy's relationship, which is a big thing in the comics. From what I understand, I, uh, I'm not going to pretend to be a DC expert, but rather than her and the Joker, uh, just a different take on Harley Quinn that has gained some popularity in recent years. And so for it to go to DC or to go to HBO Max, the speculation that came out of the article, and that's where I want to kind of take the question to this, this segment is, what does this mean for a streaming service like the DC Universe? Because I think it hurts. And I think that there's a real problem that Warner Brothers is facing with where to put its content. Well, yeah, it's 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 very similar to the rest of DC's problem is that there is no rhyme or reason to a lot of what they're doing. And, and this is another example of that because nobody knows. And this is where Marvel, again, kicks the shit out of DC and it's happening here again. It's like with Marvel, you know, OK, I'm going to go to uh, D- Disney Plus and I could see. 80 to 90 percent of uh, the Marvel stuff on there. And that's all great. DC, it's like, I don't know what's on DCU, DC Universe. I don't know what's on HBO Max. I don't know when it's going to hit HBO Max. I don't know what's going to remain on DCU. Uh, it, it's it's just haphazard. It, it's just all over the place. It doesn't help your brand at all for when people want to try and find something and they don't know where it's going. Um, I think overall, maybe it is it is a shift towards, hey, let's gradually migrate everything over to HBO Max and probably spells the end of the DC streaming service. And and that's okay because if they're, if HBO Max is paying them enough to compensate them for the loss of startup costs and other stuff from DC universe, then fine, have everything under one roof, make it more accessible, uh, give people at least a fighting chance to actually find and digest your content and not make it so freaking hard to just watch something like, um, you know, I mean, we talked last week about Flashpoint Paradox, which I know Dan watched. Uh, I'm not sure if Patrick got a awesome. chance to watch it. Pretty good, huh? Not bad. It was. It was really good. I watched it literally this morning uh, because, and this is what I opened up HBO Max, and their content on the on the DC front, on the DC animated movie front, has exploded. That's it's probably exploded. a like sign. It's, it's almost it's almost overwhelming the amount of DC animated films that you could watch on there. And yeah, you're right. Like that's probably that that's exactly where I was going with this is that really short of the Batman animated series and the Superman series. It's, I mean, it's loaded right now. It's loaded with DC stuff. Even the bad DC stuff. <laughs> Supergirl's on there. Yeah, Supergirl's not oh. bad. <laughs> oh, oh, nice try. <laughs> I love Helen Slater. Oh, the movie. Nice I thought you meant the show. Yeah, the movie. Oh, okay, I'm no, sorry. The movie. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> no, I, I yield. C- I yield on that the CW, one. The CW stuff is not on there in overwhelming numbers because a lot of those are still on Netflix. Like, I've got the Flash series. Uh, the Little O'Dowd actually loves the Flash uh, out of his DC characters. And so we have the CW Flash series on Netflix, and we've watched some of that. And maybe it's just a matter of time, kind of like with Disney Plus, progressively just taking its content as things expire, that this happens. But short of that, like 
Super the the two the two Richard Donner Supermans are on there. Superman three, the crappy Superman with Richard Pryor is on there. Oh, Superman yeah. four, the, the worst the Superman really crappy one <laughs> is still on. That one's that was the one made by Canon Films and was filmed in like Europe. It was just terrible. And Christopher Reeve like had most of the creative control. It was, ugh, ugh, gross. Uh, terrible um, movie. Awful movie. <laughs> just... Part of the I mean, part of the problem with the DC universe is the content too, you know, and you right. know, Marvel benefits because they're owned by Disney and Disney has this insane collection that they can have their own streaming service and you're not getting it necessarily for just the MCU. You can see everything else that Disney owns on that streaming service. And are you really going to buy a DC streaming service to see just a handful of movies or a handful of different cartoons? They need, they need a bigger, you know, owner behind them and hbo would be fantastic so why you know i would strongly hope that they do that and hbo just buys it out for the most part and they can run everything on hbo and it it gives them a way bigger platform because people will buy hbo max or already have it for everything else that it could provide and you get that dc side of it too i desperately want batman the animated series available for me to to stream the the first animated series that came out shortly after batman returns the second tim burton one was the original batman the animated series it was so good and and future batman series were good too but uh that has always had a soft spot in my heart i used to come home from school and i was in like junior high high school at that point and i was watching batman on fox it was just so good the uh, the other series is that are on HBO Max right now that got me really excited. The original Teen Titans is on there, um, which I think has to do with their relationship with Cartoon Network, as they've added some some entertainment through the Cartoon Network family. And Teen Titans was on there. Um, there's a oh gosh, there was another there's another animated series I want to say that's on there somewhere. Still don't have Teen Titans Go yet. Hold not hope. Fingers crossed. But. Uh, yeah, it's just, it seems like where it's going, there's a relationship there with Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers has got to do some figuring out to, uh, as to what they want to do with that content. And I think at the end of the day, I think you guys are right. DC is going to lose out on their streaming service, and that's going to be that. Yeah, they'll, they'll live. They'll survive with it. it. It was never that big of a revenue draw for them. So I'm sure. They just needed a platform to get their content out in one place. And now, well, you've got the DC Hub on HBO Max, and like DP saying... Now you're surrounded by all this other cool stuff. So there's a natural draw to that service. And oh, by the way, while I'm here, you know, I'm going to watch some of these. Because, uh, yeah, as we've said many times before, DC's animated movies are the best thing that DC has done other than the comics in quite right. some time. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And like I said, completely sold on on the Flashpoint story. That was a, that was a fun little movie to, to watch. The only the only thing it lost me a little bit when the initial jump happened, like it just was like boom okay now we're in an alternate timeline and that right. was that was a little abrupt i was like wait a minute was he supposed to go like try to save his mom like i was right. waiting for it right and so like it didn't didn't have i like the way that they did it as a reveal but at the same point it was a little jarring right so, and then they start kind of peeling back the layers of of the onion a little right. bit as and he you gets, start as seeing his memories and yeah. everything just starts going weird and that scene with uh with martha wayne where <laughs> you realize oh, what she's turned she's... into it's just one of those jaw-dropping moments where like holy shit See, that's an animated series. Yeah, exactly. That's an animated series I want to see. I want to see Thomas Wayne versus Martha Wayne 
in a, in a series. And I know that happened in the comics, like that they yeah. illustrate that a little bit better. So, but you can and see seeing... how they. Sorry, DP, go ahead. No, I mean, I was saying you could see how they could use that if they actually wrap a real live action movie about that as a as a reset button on the whole thing. It's like, yeah, we can do this, and then right. when they unravel it, here here we go. Well, Michael Keaton's now uh, Thomas Wayne, or, or or a different older version of Batman, or something went weird along the way, or uh, you know, I it's it does create options. So, yeah, Batman was just on. I was just watching it before our podcast here. It was on AMC. Michael Keaton, and it just made me think back to that and mm-hmm. seeing Thomas Wayne as Batman, and when you first see him and he's shooting guns, and you're like, whoa, whoa what the what the fuck is going on? He yeah. doesn't use guns. What is this crap? And oh, this Batman does kill. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah, he totally killed. I'm like, this is that's really cool. I love. I kind of like that. And being able to see Michael Keaton come back and do that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> he's got to shoot Reverse Flash in the head. That's all I want to see. <laughs> shoot Reverse Flash in the head. Right, turn right the, beautiful. Turn the turn the volume up there. Turn the volume up, Patrick. Damn it! No, I have no idea what's going on here. Like, I, <laughs> you for a second to cough. Am I still? Am I still down? Still down. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I love that. I, I love that whole universe. I thought that movie was great. I, I just the whole thing that they could do with that if they make it into a, a live action movie. Oh, and, and, and like what Wonder Woman did to uh, the stories. What, so cool. What Wonder Woman did to oh. Aquaman's wife. Oh. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that was awesome. Like, getting... Yeah, them is like really getting into their characters and the whole Amazonian thing and Aquaman and them just fighting over the consequences uh, of the adult... UK. Was it over United Kingdom yeah, area there? Exactly. The consequences of adultery amplified to forty thousand. You know, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's right, fantastic. So Trying to talk again. How's this? I, here's what I've learned: is I guess you're just going to have to deal with me coughing full force because both times it's because I've muted myself to like. Be kind to our listeners, you know, all 22 of them. Just, and, you know, coughing, coughing. I get you're stuck listening to me cough, listeners. Yeah, blow out their so, eardrums, man. It's all good. They don't care. I, I guess so. I guess so. So we're going to we're gonna move on from this conversation, probably talking about the DC Universe again next week, despite what I want to do with our episode next week, because that just seems to be what's happened these days. And we're going we're gonna to shift into a couple of our heavier topics on the day. The first one we're going to talk about is some news that's come out of Cards Against Humanity. And that that news is that workers for Cards Against Humanity are forming a union and are forming a union in response to allegations of various forms of harassment, abuse, whether that's racism, sexism, or the otherwise, particularly leveled against one of the eight founders of Cards Against Humanity who has since stepped down. But... This isn't new to this company. And Cards Against Humanity, to their credit, has responded to it. Sounds like they're going to be in support of these workers unionizing. But I thought it would be interesting just to sort of start by talking about not so much the news itself and the allegations that are surrounding things, but talking about this game. Because it is a very, very popular game. You know, Dave Dave has talked about it. We've talked about it on the show. We've had the gaming community on here in a couple of different interviews over the last few weeks in terms of like board games and stuff, the stuff, stuff to play and the game itself, I guess, Dave, I'll, I'll let you take this. Just describe cards against humanity to the audience as to how, how it's played and what it's about. Sure. It is uh, one of our favorite games. I mean, we've had numerous cards against humanity parties over at, at my house. It is a lot of people's favorite party game. 
the general concept is there you you end up with I for, I don't want to get the colors wrong but I don't think it matters too much somebody has like a, a white card with a question or a statement or a sentence on there and then all the other players have a hand of black cards with responses or, or just you know comments sentences things like that so the idea is that the person holding the white card reads the question which can be like you know uh, I and I mean you'd have to go online to see some of the examples of these things. And then the other individuals play the black card that they think most appropriately answers that question. So if you played apples to apples, it's very much like that, except take apples to apples and make it raunchy and nasty and funny more often than not than the raunchy or nasty stuff. Uh, it's for adults and that sort of thing. So the person will t- pick pick a black card. They all come out there. They give it to the person who's reading the, the white card. The person reading the white card will read the white card and then the everybody's responses, which leads to a lot of hilarious stuff. And then the, per, the person who has the white card decides which response he or she likes best. That person gets the uh, the black card that the person was reading. And then you play to a set number, like the first person to collect five black cards wins. And that's how it's done. Um, a lot of the responses are, are just are just outright funny. Um, they've gotten into some issues with some of the responses, not so much the original game. The expansions have introduced more problematic sort of um, responses that seem to have gotten a lot of attention. But it's a great party game. It's a lot of fun. I, you know, I know they're under fire for some of the stuff that's in some of the sets, but it is probably the the best party game you can do if you're not too sensitive. When we've done it, We've had people who are who are all into the raunchiness. Let me go for the most ridiculous, over the top response ever, and then you've got people who aren't so much into that. And 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 you have to know you have to know. Okay, I'm appealing to the person who's reading the card. Like for me, if I'm reading something and I've got a William Shatner based answer in my card, and my wife's reading the question, all I'm going to do is play the William Shatner based card because I know that's an automatic win. There are certain cards like responses. Like there was one response: two midgets shitting in a bucket. If you've got that card as a response, it's like amongst our group, that's an automatic win. It doesn't matter what anybody else has. You play the midget card. And, you know, midget's not a politically correct term, but that's kind of the issue. This is where the problem is, Dave, and this is where I'm going to cut you off. Because I think it is a very apropos description of the game. It is a very problematic game, in my opinion. And this is coming from a guy who plays this at bars on karaoke night with his friends. I, we sit around at a table, and basically the way we play, your winner is at last call. Whoever's got the most cards at last call wins. Like, that's basically what we do. And it's it's interesting because it's a highly sexualized game. Like, there's a lot of sex jokes within the, within the game. There's a lot of race jokes in the game that have come along as the game is, as you talked about, had its expansion packs and stuff done. There's a lot of Hitler jokes. There's a lot of Anne Frank jokes. There's, there's, there's a lot there, and I think what, what I found really interesting is this this concept of working for a company where you're you're basically being asked to debase everybody to to create this game, and whether or not that's created an environment at, as a workplace that that people have felt comfortable, and obviously they haven't, because it seems like something's going on there that's pushed some people and some boundaries. I question whether I can keep playing the game 
the more and more I think about it and the more and more things have gone along. Whether you want to say that's because I'm, I'm buying into being PC or just kind of recognizing that, you know, we have these jokes and, and this isn't about whether or not it offends the people you're playing with, but it really does, in my, in my opinion, also cause us to kind of take a look at ourselves. Why is this funny? Like, why do we think this is funny? What is it about this that's funny amongst this group of, like, amongst my friends, white people, that, you know, it's almost like this safe space game. And so I just, I don't know how I feel about it anymore. But uh, clearly there's some work that needs to be done within the company. That's the tough, that's the really tough part too, is, yeah, it's, it is, we, we used to play it all the time when we would get do get-togethers and stuff and, you know, all the, everybody would get together and we'd have some drinks and then Cards Against Humanity would come out and it was hilarious and fun and everything. But yeah, now with everything going on and, on top of that, knowing how the company is kind of treating everybody in their in their You're company right. is like, oh fuck, man! Like, and it is out of control. It is over the top, racist, uh, you know, everything that you can think of, bad. But in trying to be funny in a way and everything, and right. you know, you're just laughing because it's like, yeah, it's a joke. It's jokes, and you know, it's not meant to be taken seriously. And that's that's part of the the issues, right? And now it's like, okay, is it still uh-huh. really? Yeah. And and I do think another part of it is conversations I've had with people in my life about the game and how it impacts them if we're talking about play. Like, whether it's that they've been at a place where the game's been busted out and it has created this, you know, environment for that person that's like, hey, you make this joke, I identify as X, this is how this impacts me. And that's a, that's a challenge. And I think that's one of the things... You know, we talk about satire and we talk about comedy. We've talked about comedies a lot on this show lately. And some of the concerns we've had about the type of jokes and the type of things that, that even we've laughed about, whether, you know, talking about Blazing Saddles, whether even Dumb and Dumber this past this past week. There's some jokes in there that I'm like, they're not really funny anymore. Like the blind kid with the bird. Yeah. Like it's yeah kind of taking advantage up. of a blind kid. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's tough. I, I feel like... Does it feel like Cards Against Humanity maybe started back during the match game days? Because it feels like it's kind of like match game. I feel like this is what Gene Rayburn would host after the show goes off the air and there Richard Dawson is nicely <laughs> toasted with his drinks. And this is kind of stuff that comes up, the fill-in-the-blank question. And this right. is like the racy version that you never see on the air. Is these guys, you know, Betty White and Brett Summers and Richard Dawson sitting around with drinks and doing these horrible oh, jokes and... <laughs> Charles Nelson Riley. That's what I feel like this game was, and that's where it started. <laughs> oh, you guys want me to comment on this? <laughs> no, no go ahead, Dave. <laughs> no, I, we do. Love- I'm just saying. Look, I mean, the thing about Cards Against Humanity is, yeah, if you bring that out at, at, at an event and you don't know everybody who's there and you don't know their sensitivities and whether you're going to offend somebody, then yeah, that's a problem because there is some problematic stuff in the game. On the other hand, it's like, well. It, it is, you know, if you've got a room of consenting adults who have bought the game and know what they're getting into and want to play it, then far be it for me to say you shouldn't do that because there's some offensive stuff in there. And that's kind of the way I feel about it. It, it is it is it is somebody's choice whether they purchase it or and or any of the expansion packs and or whether they play that. That doesn't mean that their work environment 
shouldn't improve and that they should be subjected to shit that makes people uncomfortable because it violates any plethora of laws that are out there. I, you know, that's a different story. And unionizing is the most powerful deterrent to that. So I'm all in favor of that. But yeah, I mean, to and certainly, Patrick, if you don't want to play it anymore because it bothers you, that is absolutely your right. That's like me. It's like, well, I want to break it out every once in a while just to play it because it is fun. And, you know, you don't have to you don't have to pick that bad card. You know, you can look at it and say, ah, I'm, I'm not going to do that one. I'm going to try and go with something else, that sort of thing. But it is a matter of personal preference from the consumer standpoint. From the worker standpoint, I get what's going on. And, yeah, there's a lot of shit that has happened there. People getting fired for absolutely no reason other than race-based. That's a problem. Sure, certainly there is. But, you know, to condemn the game uh, just because it is a racier version of apples to apples, uh, I got a little bit of an issue with that. That's fair. I mean, I, I disagree with you a little bit, but that's the joy of this show is that we can disagree and we'll still be friends afterwards. We just won't play cards against humanity together. Oh, come and on. That'll be OK. No, no, thank you. <laughs> I And I do. You know, we, we talked about this when we came to entertainment of. Uh, you know, you were talking back when we had the Gone with the Wind conversation, and we talked about whether or not. By the way, Gone with the Wind back on HBO Max. So, really, any disclaimer record, or anything, or did they do anything? I didn't. I, did, I didn't even click it. I haven't tried to watch it. I just noticed it. It's not. So, what they did, whether they did nothing or not, and it'll be interesting. I'll, I should take a look, but um, it's no longer in the featured banner. You know how they like when you go into the Turner Classic movie section, be like, we have this movie and this movie. Now it's like a streetcar named Desire and Citizen Kane and like a couple other ones. And then as you're scrolling down the whole library, it's just kind of there, pretty right there where you can see it. So pretty soon you're going to need a special password to access this stuff, and then everybody will be tracking that special password yeah. to know that's a racist uh, right there. They did their no, they did their two weeks, and you know it's a new month, so apparently nobody cares anymore. That's pretty much it. <laughs> well, it I do seems. think that's I think that's a very accurate description is that we're gonna we're gonna say this thing, hope it goes away, and then put away. And and I think it's actually, you know, I think Platt made a good point. Gone with the wind isn't really the the change that folks are looking for here. And I would even argue with cards against humanity. Cards against humanity isn't exactly the change folks are looking for here when it comes to our systemic racism in society. Well, yeah. How does you know, banning, how does banning the game, if you're even contemplating banning the game, which right. no one is because there's big freedom of speech issues with all that stuff. Yeah, but even if you don't talk about that, <laughs> even if you're thinking of banning the game, how does that make the workplace environment better? Other than you ban the game and now everybody who's working there is suddenly jobless. That doesn't, yeah. it's the same thing with right. gone with wind. How does banning the movie for a couple of weeks, solve the systemic problem that exists that that Platt talked about it i was just listening back sure. to that episode it's just pandering this is this well, is and that's and that's the same thing with all these name changes that are going on right now oh jesus don't you get know me whether it's and, and we're not going to talk about your sports team i know we we'll let it, leave it alone because it's not just sports teams it's like there there's all these different sort of things that have just kind of gotten borderline ridiculous like that and black people are like why are you changing the names of everything like, we don't want this we want you to like stop killing us in the streets and being yeah. okay with it. The stuff like, that the, you mean the stuff that like, the people who are being oppressed have been asking for for almost two hundred years. We're going to ignore that, but we're going to focus right. on all the shit that we're going to change the name of. We're, um, we're changing like is it, Eskimo pies or whatever. Oh, the Edmonton Eskimos. Did you see that? They actually 
polled the Inuit population to see if they were in favor of the Edmonton Eskimos keeping their name in the CFL, which surprisingly it passed. They were like, oh yeah, we're fine with that. It, it, oh no, it just... I was talking about the, it was like the ice cream bars. Oh, that like, I was talking about something those. else. <laughs> like, those, those, yeah, no, those sorts of changes. And, and it's funny, like just kind of looking at this, like those sorts of things, I don't think are necessarily bad changes, but it's not really the changes that make a difference. And that's, and that's what I think is getting, getting overlooked here. And I think it's true with, you know, gone with the wind is that, you know, it's problematic in what it reinforces. And that's why HBO, in my opinion, has a duty to address that piece of it. But if they just took it down for two weeks and then kind of tucked it away. Then you've done jack and shit about the problem. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how the workplace to bring this back to cards against humanity before we go to break, because we run a little over on time. It'll be interesting to see how this does impact that workplace. Does this become a better workplace? I don't think the game's going away. I think that you're absolutely right, Dave. If, if people aren't comfortable playing it, part of it's knowing how to read a room. Um, and part of it to me is just, for me, it's been taking a hard look at myself and kind of reevaluating just whether, whether or not I really find it that funny. It's kind of like, you know, some of these, some of these forms of entertainment we've talked about, do I still find this funny? And this is one of those cases where I don't, I don't know that I do anymore. And so for me, um, I'm done. And I'm okay with that. That's fine. It ch- everybody's got changing sensibilities right now. But yeah, if you if you bring a set of cards against humanity to your local uh, Bible club, that's probably going to be a problem. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> you never know, but you yeah, know. You, you, yeah, you know, you right. you never know. You never that's know whether yeah. whether they're into yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's what you got. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's it's changing the culture. It's not just taking something down to take something down to say, look, I did something right. You're okay now. Yeah, no, although, you gotta, I will say change where you're thinking. I will say some of the cards and in cards against humanity have caused me to stop and wonder what the hell is that German dungeon porn? What is that? Nipple, right. nipple blades. What, what are nipple blades? I, I am still not sure uh, what those he, are. He's on Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> oh. your imagination. Oh, oh damn. Yeah. I should leave right, it in well, my that imagination. That sounds like a good place to take a break, fellas. My goodness. Nipple blades. There you go. Uh, nipple <laughs> blades. I think that might be the name of the show. That's title. Uh, I don't know how Greg will feel about nipple blades for a title. I think I'm sticking with the Grand Lebowski or the Large Lebowski. I can't remember what you called it. The Great well, Lebowski. Well, great. The, the Great Lebowski. The Great Lebowski. That'll be what it is. Phantom, we, uh, Phantom of the Lebowski. There you go. Right. Phantom of the Lebowski. We're going to take a quick break here, though. Pay a few bills. Before we do that, though, do you need to put a plug in there for the ChairShot Radio and the ChairShot.com Pro Wrestling T-shirts? That's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash ChairShot. Go there to get all kinds of shirts for all the other shows that are playing on the ChairShot Radio network, except for ours because we've been too lazy to put out a shirt yet, um, including things like Jesus Did the Job, totally inappropriate uh, Cards Against Humanity style shirt there itself. My personal favorite, hashtag Save Tag Team Wrestling. <laughs> Uh, and many, many others. We're going to go away. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about whether or not superheroes are problematic and just keep Dave all riled up. I think this is all about riling up. Dave. Last week, Dave, it was all about you with the show. Like, you really brought the show together. Today, it's all about firing up Dave. Let's see how red of an ass we can get Dave Ungar going today <laughs> yeah. as we talk some articles. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds, part of the Chairshot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. 
Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy, King Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore. Everything progressive. Make sure you check it out. TheChairShot.com. Hey folks, listen up, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Pins, stickers, illustrations. Angrylemonade.net. This is my yard now. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And we are back. And thank you for listening to those commercials. DP, I got to tell you, <laughs> I love, I almost called you Tony. Yeah, I know. Y'all caught it too. Okay. We're pretty much the same person for the most part. You are. And yet I got to tell you, you I, are, love, you're not. I, I love yeah. the uh, winner is you eyes um, commercials yeah. that, that you've, uh, you've added the little flair to, but I need help. The second commercial, what the hell game was that song from? Oh, that's uh, that's that Tech Mobile, isn't it? Yes! Oh, that is what it is. Oh, I could not for the life of me. I'm like, I heard this song repeatedly as a child because I loved the original Tech Mobile. It was on my list on, on, the, on the top 50 of all time. I could not for the life of me place where I'd heard that damn song. Yeah. So, God, that's a great, great game. Underrated game. Nothing to do with what we're about to talk about, but I just, it's been killing me since I started listening to your show and heard the new commercials, which again, I love, I love the, the music in the background. I think it's a nice touch. Had to give it some more gaming flair or something other than just the wrestling side of things, you know? Oh yeah. I, I hear you on that one. So to wrap up the show, our big, our big topic for today that we're going to talk about, um, Dave actually is the one who shared this information with us, uh, shared an article that uh, came out on the 29th of June uh, by Eliana Docterman, who writes for Time Magazine. And, and she had written an article that's called We're Reexamining How We Portray Cops on, Street, on Screen. Now it's time to talk about superheroes. And I asked all three of you to, to, to give the show a listen, or to, to give the article a read. Sorry, give the show a listen. That too. Because I want... What? Well, that that too. Yeah. Listen, listen to the show. Got a little, lot of, got a little confused there. Uh, and reading through this article, there was, there, I saw basically kind of two different points that the author was was really driving home and trying to make in terms of portrayal of superheroes in in media. And uh, the first is this idea of vigilantism with superheroes and kind of their ability to act above the law. That, that there's really no structure uh, within the way that they kind of meet out justice for, for whatever, for lack of a better way to describe it. Uh, that even relationships with either law enforcement or governments is tenuous at best, that they sort of answer to them, but not really, and kind of do their own thing. And then the other, the other one was a question of representation and 
representation of the heroes that are portrayed on screen, a representation of who's making these movies, who's being tasked with making these movies. And, and she speaks to both of them in a, as a, as a need to, as things that we need to examine and, and perhaps change. And as I read the article and then I'll, I, and I'll give you kind of my initial thoughts before I hand it over to the two of you to kind of get your thoughts on the matter. I, I do this thing that Greg hates where I'm kind of 50, 50 on a thing. Greg's always like, take a whole side, take one or not. And the thing that I, that I struggled with is I felt like with this article and it's two pronged approach that I'm completely with, I'm kind of with her on one piece of, of the article, but on the other half, I feel like they took 10 years ago worth of material to kind of make their argument. And I don't know that it's entirely accurate. Uh, and that, and, and so, you know, as I kind of read the article, I think that this article ignores comics itself and the changes that have taken place within comic books and portrayal of heroes and who are the heroes. And I think it sort of glosses over what Marvel in particular, they were, she was, she was particularly tough on Marvel as, as opposed to DC though. She has some thoughts about Superman. Um, but she was she was really looking at like the initial run of the MCU and earlier Marvel films versus where we're kind of going now. And so, yeah, for me it was, it was kind of, yeah. And I see a kind of a different piece of this too, because I think that comic books have really been quite progressive in the last decade in particular. I think comic film is, is been late to the party and it's trying to get there now, particularly within the MCU, which is what I follow. If you look at the MCU's late phase three and phase four versus phase one and two, completely different worlds, IMO. And so with that, I'm going to hand this over to you, Dave. I'm going to let you go second because I know you got a lot of thoughts and I'm not sure what DP's got on this. And, and so I'm going to hand it over to DP first. What were your initial thoughts on this article and kind of what Dr. Min was writing? Well, I'll, I'll try and take one side of the stance if that's, uh, you know, I'll, you I'll, you I'll pander, I'll pander to, to the Craig DeMarco is this is this is fiction. Right. Like we're talking about fiction and it goes back to the whole genre of movies and things that are people are making up as stories. This is this is for entertainment only, you know, I, and that's kind of the way I feel about it is like. Yeah, I get it. You know, you want to say superheroes are getting that vigilante treatment for the most part of like, hey, they're not they're skirting the law and not following what, you know, the law says you should do. And yet they're being praised for it. And, you know, kind of that whole like the Civil War or not, was it the Civil War? Or what was the one where they started creating the the treaties and the, you know, unionizing the, the group more or less right yeah, where they had war. to follow? Was it Civil War? Yeah, where they had to follow, you know, these rules now because you're causing all this destruction and things like that. And now you have to play by the rules and things like that. And the whole argument of, you know, one group is saying, well, I, I don't want to play by the rules because then we can't save people like we're supposed to. And the other group saying, well, yeah, but we're destroying and killing all these other innocents and, you know, causing all this damage. And for what, you know, for is it is it really doing right justice? But, you know, it's 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 for entertainment and that's kind of the way i go with that is like yeah i get it you know they're not you know 
we're praising them for doing things that they shouldn't necessarily do when, you know, we give, you know, in real life, give policemen a hard time if they try and do something that's outside of the normal law of things, right? That they're not, they're supposed to serve and protect, but they go kind of go rogue and try and do something and they're criticized completely for it. But this is, this is movies. This is Hollywood. This, everything's made up. It's, you know, you're not, you're, you're supposed to not necessarily take this seriously. That's what the idea of all these movies are. It's for entertainment purposes. So, I, you know, I don't feel like it should be changed or altered in any way. I, I get the idea. I get the, the, the reasoning behind it, but we got to remember that because that's where gone with the wind happens and they, it goes away because just people think like, Oh, well, we should take that down because it has all these issues. And you know, what happens to all these other movies that have those tones to it because that's the story they wanted to tell. And there it was for entertainment. And now all of a sudden what happens to all these superhero movies, what happens to all those comics and yeah, the comics back then, you know, weren't great and don't portray especially women and necessarily in a good light, you know, they're over exaggerated, you know, bodily features and things like that. That's, that's the way it was drawn. And that's the way people did that. And, you know, it has gotten better and they don't do that in the movies. You know, they're, they're, you know, portray women a lot better in the movies, I think. And so we just, I feel like we got to remember that, that this is all for entertainment. It's not. Well, and I think you, you, you mentioned directly against, you know, the real life. <laughs> right. You, you mentioned the, you mentioned the audience or you mentioned the, the way women were portrayed in comics. We also got to remember what, what was generally accepted as the target demographic mm-hmm. for comics at the time, straight white boys locked in their parents' and, basement who had never seen a real woman. Basically. Like three dudes doing a podcast. That's right. About nerdy stuff. <laughs> exactly. So, so I think that what has been interesting is that to, to your point, Dan, is the, the growth of comics reaching a different audience and starting to write to that audience has been huge in comic books. And I think we're just now seeing it in movies. Yeah, for sure. And that's, what's great is yeah, those things are changing because the demographic is changing and, and growing up, I guess. And, Mm-hmm. You know, it's being more to a widespread audience with all the movies that have coming out. So it's it brings light to some of those things, which is great. And they can change some of those those aspects of it, which is the things we need to change. But right. To remember the fact that all of these are entertainment and not real life is the other thing to think about, too, I I, I feel. Oh, God. Where do I begin? Uh, I feel about this article the same way that Patrick feels about Dumb and Dumber. It is just one of the dumbest, most insipid, stupid things that I've read in a while. I, I hated the article because it just it, it's written by somebody who when you read it, it's like you clearly have not read much in the way of comics. Because if you had, you'd realize that Batman doesn't take orders from Commissioner Gordon. In fact, it's kind of the opposite most of the time where he's operating against and Gordon's doing what Batman's telling him to do. So by making a statement right there, you discredited just about everything you could put in the article. Um, the, the stuff about the thing about about superheroes is, OK, when the Justice League first started, like in the 60s. Yeah, a lot of the time they would defer to the police as to the ultimate authorities. We got to get these superpower villains and get them to the police station, because apparently the police station is where everybody who has superpowers is depowered and can be put in jail. 
But as comics evolved and got more mature, then you started to see stuff where they were operating against the authorities. They were like the checks and balances to the authorities. Superheroes were the ones protecting a lot of innocent people from some of the abuses that were going on with some of these organizations who were operating in the name of justice, so to speak. So, you know, Dan makes a great point. It is supposed to be fiction. It is a target audience. It, if I wanted to watch the reality of the world and the injustices of the world, I'd watch the news. If I want to be entertained and see an alternative that's actually more uplifting, then I'm going to go and look at superheroes and that sort of thing. Um, you know, and then at the end of the article, she tries to kind of salvage this train wreck by bringing up by I'm going to invoke Black Panther as the movie that really set everything right. And I'm a huge fan of Black Panther. I think it's one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. And yes, I understand that, you know, with the it's the one movie where it was predominantly a black cast, predominantly black people behind the scenes doing a lot of that sort of stuff. But you can't just invoke Black Panther to salvage the rest of the industry that you've savaged through this article to say, societally speaking, we need to change our approach to superheroes. Why? Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to, you know, make them so that they're more in line with reality? And and, and yeah, I understand you don't you don't want to portray certain things on screen that are problematic of, of the current situation. But I challenge you, give me give me a comic book movie that we've seen in the last decade that really causes you to stop and say, oh, man, there's some racy shit in there that I don't think they should have done in there. Patrick, you made a great point. Comics have been massively progressive. I, I'll even go one further. Not just the last decade. I'd say the last two decades. Comics have been much more progressive on issues such as race, sexual orientation, uh, sexuality in general, social commentary. A lot of the whole Civil War storyline was all about fighting back against just being, you know, labeled and tagged and cubbyholed in a certain way. I don't want to just conform because somebody thinks I need to conform. And yeah, there's collateral damage, but what are we really giving up if we just conform? So this whole article just bugged the shit out of me because it just was a, you know, it just tried to vilify superheroes as as something that I don't think they're I don't think that's what. They're meant to be portrayed as. Yeah, I guess I didn't read it as her. And, and I, I do think that it's very clear that this for, uh, that she's writing from the context of the films and what we've seen in movies versus what, like, it's clear yeah. that she doesn't read comics. Yeah, obviously. And, and <laughs> the thing that I think is, well, and, and when we talk about an audience and what has a broader, broader, broader audience, sure. it's our movies. Like the Marvel movies have made a ridiculous amount of money. And the points that I found very interesting that she pulled out in regards to the comics, like she and and some of these popped up, I think, out of other news stories, because uh, she uses the Punisher as an example um, and talking about the the that Marvel made a point to have the Punisher talking to cops and being like, hey, I didn't take this you know, oath. this isn't what you're supposed to represent. You're not supposed to be me. And I, overall, what I get out of her point, and this is this is why I why I see a couple of different why I see that a nuance to this that's a little bit bigger than that. She talks a lot about this relationship of police and making it a little more true to what is uh, the relationship with whether it's police, whether it's with society in general, and how we would view them. How these again superheroes would act as people. Like she praises Watchmen. She praises the HBO Watchmen series, by the way. Hell of a series, folks. 
If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's terrific. But she watch also eviscerates the graphic novel. Yes and no. She says it's dated, and I think that's a little unfair to, to the assessment. Like, she points out that for its time and where it was, that, again, she, she recognizes that it's a product of its time. Right. Well, what, she, she drew the comparison are, between the scene with Comedian and, and, and Owlman as to what was happening with the, the protest, with people being dispersed right. with rubber bullets and stuff like that. It's like, I'm pretty sure Alan Moore didn't have that in his head when he wrote that thing. He didn't, but that doesn't mean that there's not a parallel to draw there. You know what I'm saying? Like it was, it was done with unrest. You know, it had to do with unrest. If you're looking to draw the parallel, then yeah, there's a parallel to be drawn. But you actually have to actively look to draw that parallel. That's all. I mean, I didn't think. I, I, I guess I didn't find it as as big a stretch as you did, Um, and that's okay. What, um, what I found particularly interesting, what and where I kind of took issue, or at least where I was surprised that I took issue, and I and I had to kind of check on that was. um, she talked about Into the Spider-Verse and she shared a couple of articles. Uh, and within her context of talking about Into the Spider-Verse being this great movie, she was like, I hope the next one's more about Miles. And I was like, I guess I see what you're saying in that there were all these other Spider-Verse characters. But if you're trying to tell me that Miles Morales wasn't the movie and that it was more about the Peter Parker, you know, <laughs> alternate storyline guy... I disagree with I disagree with that assessment. Then you, you got to wonder what, what movie I, was she watching because it was what, all about what Miles. Did, what what I do find what I did find interesting what I think the comic has done and this is the thing is that comics do do I think a pretty good job of reflecting what's going on in the world, uh, even dating back to the X Men, which problematic though it is that it's an allegory for racism where everybody different is white. At its core, Stan Lee was writing a story about racism like that's straight up what the x-men is to start with when you look at miles morales as a character in the comics his relationship with the police office or with the police isn't like this great like i just want to be like you and do my part to help you like he's not that like sing-songy hold hands and and hope for it to be true kind of guy peter parker absolutely peter parker was always like mr law enforcement i am here to, to help the cops and so I hear what she's saying. I think that, you know, the other piece of it with representation, I think there's a valid point. And that, you know, that kind of brought me to, you know, Anthony Mackie, who gave an interview where he talked about there's Marvel has been so slow with being a part of producing films that are representative of the entire viewing audience. Black Panther really is their one, y'all. Like, really, right now. And that's slowly but surely. Black Panther, Captain Marvel. But but they're just now taking a look at, at their heroes and reevaluating what what that representation is. And if you go look at, like, who wrote and directed or was, you know, had major hands in producing these movies and who Marvel turned to, it's white people. And I don't think you can deny that. What I think you can point out is that Marvel is taking steps, and I don't think she recognizes that in the article. Now, is it enough steps? I don't know. Um, But I think it's a pretty damn good start. I think Taika Waititi is a terrific hire. I think um, Ryan Coogler is a terrific hire. I can't remember who's doing Shang-Chi off the top of my head. But, 
you know, rep- I, I do think there's something to be said for representation mattering and being a part of what happens going forward. This is where I think DC has a distinct opportunity and advantage and has already taken advantage of it, mm-hmm. whether it's James Wan and Aquaman or um, Patty Jenkins with Wonder Woman. Sorry, I'm going to get it right from here on out, Dave, after you call this out. You got it. Two weeks ago or last week. But um, I think DC ha- has had an opportunity, but even they... You know, the Justice League, you've got, what, Cyborg and Wonder Woman? That's it? Well, yeah, I mean, so far. in the, in the yeah. base Justice League, sure. I mean, if you're going to expand it, then right. you start bringing and, and in a lot of different... Yeah, I, I mean... That's why Shazam is so great, because that family is a multicultural yes. family with all kinds... Like, every, every sort of identity group you could really imagine in terms of race... And I would say limited to race. Like, like we haven't got it, you know, talking about things like gender and binary stuff and like sure. and, and things like that. But Shazam, Shazam's special, at least in terms of casting. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Anthony's Anthony Mackie statements. I mean, they are underrepresented. You could say that about lots of aspects of film. Uh, uh, film. Sports, you know, they got the they got the Rooney Rule, which is in football and terrible rule. It's it's just lip service, you know. Yeah, okay, we're going to spend five minutes with you to 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 take care of our obligation, and then we're going to spend we're going to pay millions of dollars to this other white coach who has a reputation. And I I get it because there are you know you've got to go with what's going to win championships and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, you know, as far as movies and stuff like that. They're gradually catching up. It, it, it kind of parallels the comics industry in general, which was predominantly all white for a long period of time because that's what you know. That's what society was used to. That sort of thing, which I know right. Patrick's smiling because he's going to lead into the discussion on Superman. I, I know that he knows this where this is going, but uh, I think I think movies are catching up. I mean, you see more diversity in the comics. You're now starting to see more diversity in the movies. Uh, you're certainly seeing more diversity with the people behind the scenes than there was in the last decade in the steal from the Philadelphia 76ers. Trust the process. There is a process that's going on here that is gradually being implemented. Just give it some time. Change never happens overnight. It, it, very mm-hmm. rarely does it happen overnight. And, and it, it is gradually getting better and that sort of thing. I don't think you have to just, you know, shit on the entire industry and say, I mean, if Anthony Mackie wants to bring it out and say, Hey, look, we're underrepresented. We need to do something about that. Let me at least bring awareness to the problem. That's a good first step. Yeah, I like that too, and I I think that's part of that. Maybe part of the part of that problem is there's nobody stepping up to say things like that as well. Because you know, you you I think a lot of these guys need to start speaking out about that a little more too to to bring more light to it because it's true. And yeah, I do think there's there's been some steps, and it's been gradually getting there. And it's right, you can't have it happen overnight and things like that, but them continuing to bring light to it that look everybody all the stage hands everybody backstage you know i look around there ain't there ain't a single black person out nobody here looks or like whatever yeah that's just horrible right. like why right. how, how does that happen that's just absurd and that needs to change and I, and right maybe it is starting to change and gradually but them continuing to bring light and they and that's another bigger part of the problem is they're you know unless they're the featured guy like Anthony Mackie's starting to become with the Falcon, you know, winter soldier thing and all that, where he's kind of the top guy. There's not a lot of those top, you know, black people that can do that and speak out without fear of just right. being fired and go oh, shut up, go away. 
you know, and if you're in that position of power to try and speak out, I, I know it's probably really tough to do, but I think we need it as a society. I agree. And I, you know, I think about some of the opportunities Marvel passed over to, to kind of take steps sooner. I think my favorite example, honestly, is the Doctor Strange movie and casting Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One, uh, which has never been a white lady. And part yeah. of it was they were like, look, it's a white lady. We got a lady in in this like mentor role. But the the Ancient One was Asian. It was always Asian. Yeah. Could like, we do an Asian woman? Would that have been so bad? What, what are what are oh. we doing here? Why are we why are we going in this direction? That's and, too and radical. Well, Sorry. And Marvel, and, and that's the thing is I, I really harp on Marvel because it's it's got the biggest history. And you look at the superhero um, genre in general, even prior to Iron Man. Oddly enough, the movie that it arguably kicked off the superhero like bankability craze was Blade, right, with Wesley Snipes. And the author of the article, she praises that movie a little bit uh, and talking about an interaction he has with the police where the police shoot at him instead of the bad guy. And he's like, what the fuck's your problem? That that's the sort of thing that that's the sort of nuance that she's wanting to see built into some more of these movies, particularly ones that do. I think when you look at street level heroes, that that is a very real thing. Like Luke Cage, for example. Thank you. One of my favorite characters out there. I think Luke Cage should struggle with the police all the time. As a black man in Harlem, yeah, like you, you can't like so. tell me that that story is real. And the, and the funny thing I've seen out of out of the TVs are he never really has a problem with the cops. Like he's buddies with the cops. Like he's not working for the cops. But like there's no real conflict there. And that may not. And you know, part of it is that's not the story they chose to tell. But on the other end of it, it's like. There, there are opportunities that Marvel just hasn't taken. And I think what, at the end of the day, and I guess why I'm a little softer on this article, is is that I, I understand what she's asking for out of these. She's not asking for superhero movies to go away. She's challenging them to be a little bit better. And, you know, I look at it in, in terms of, like, cop procedurals and cop movies. Like, they are, the thing that they, the point that was really coming up with cop movies is you look at Dirty Harry. And is Dirty Harry a real freaking cop? Like, uh, really? Don't think that would go over so well. But but that's my point. Is that, but police in general, like you look at cop movies, like the buddy cop movies, they're always loose cannons doing whatever the hell they want, and people embrace those things. And I think that's the other thing that she's trying to point out is we talk about entertainment and fiction, and this is this has always been a big argument that I make. It has impact, and I think the article is trying to challenge looking at those impacts and seeing how that can be redirected. Cause I don't think she thinks superheroes equal bad. Like, I think if you were to ask her point blank, she would not say, I think superheroes need to be canceled. I think she's challenging it to be done a little differently. And is that such a bad thing? It is when you're generalizing superheroes and you're only basing your opinion on the isolated aspect of them in the movies. And you're ignoring the other history. You're ignoring them in comics. You're ignoring all the TV shows like Black Lightning and stuff like that, which, hey, these have got some of the issues you're talking about. Now, is is the series particularly good? No. But it, they, it is touching upon some of the shit that she's complaining about. So when you sit there, sure. say, when you sit there and say superheroes are, are a problem because of X, Y, and Z, but you're really only looking at one side of the, of the, of the you know, one side of the square, um, 
then yeah, I think it really undermines her credibility. I understand what she's saying, and that's fine. I mean, I, yeah, I guess, but I, I guess my counter to that is when people think superheroes, honest to God, when people think superheroes, like if you go ask random whoever, talk to me about how you know superheroes. Are they going to say the CW show? Are they going to say the comic books? Are they going to say the movies? Nowadays, probably most will be the movies, I'd say. There you go. That's the thing is the movies, she's talking about the influence of one piece. And I understand, Dave. I hear you entirely. And I am with you with the CW series in particular, I think. Don't get enough credit for what they are. And this is coming from a guy who does not watch them. You know, we've given me a hard time about how much I've, outside of The Flash, I've seen some of The Flash. I don't watch them that much either, to be honest with you. But I know they're there. And, and, you know, as, as fans of the material and, and comics itself, like that to me, like we, we are more ensconced in the material than most people. Right. True. Absolutely. And I think that, and I think that's one of the things where that's why we're like, hold the phone, hold the phone. Cause we're passionate about it. I'll bring it, I'll bring it in. I'll bring the gaming theme into that too. Cause you know they've they've gone back and forth on this how what at once a decade at least every time about you know Grand Theft Auto and how horrible that is and how influential it can be to kids or whatever and you know it that's kind of the same thing do we you know where do we you mean stop? that's not how real life is yeah you go you just go drive around steal whatever car and punch a baby and shoot a cop right run right? down that's, people in the crosswalk sleep with prostitutes to regain health yeah, yeah that's real right. Right. See, so, yeah, I, I never played those versions. I played like the really old school one where like it was like the over a top down. You ran into a car. <laughs> cops would follow you. So you find a garage where they just change your license plate and everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, thought that's, I thought that's how it all worked. So. Um, so let's talk about the future then here, because I think that the future is bright. Right. Like, I think if we, it, you know, my ultimate counter to this argument and this article and and what I hope is not lip service. And I will say this is this is founded on a hope is that there's a lot of good coming forward from both Marvel and DC that I think speak well to what superhero movies could be. What are your thoughts on that sort of thesis? Go ahead, DP. I'll uh, yeah, I'll let you back clean up on that because I I think it's just that just that whole change of culture. That's the whole thing that everybody needs to do in society right now is, you know, stop, you know, we need to remember that it's entertainment and we need to think about, you know, everybody when we, when it comes to hiring these people and, and getting more of a diverse culture into the movies is a really, really good thing. And we need to continue on that path. And if that's the path that's going down already, that's awesome. And, you know, Obviously, it's going to take a little time, but they need to do that more and, and think more of that. You know, it doesn't, you know, Superman doesn't have, or, you know, Superman, I'll give you a Superman thing. They don't have to be a certain color or anything like that. Right. I mean, hell, the first I was just watching Batman. Harvey Dent was played by Billy D. Williams. Harvey Dent wasn't a black man in the comics, you know, but that's OK. You know, it, that, it doesn't have to be right. So, you know, these guys need to think about that and who the best actor is for the job. and you know, who the best character, who, who could play that character the best doesn't necessarily have to be a certain person or anything like that, or it doesn't have to be a white guy or, you know, whatever. Just we need to remember that in, in our culture and make sure we be cognizant of it and not do like Dave said with hiring for the NFL jobs and stuff like that is just to do it because 
it's PC and we have to like, oh, yeah, okay, you had five minutes, you got your interview, you know, you walked in the door, you, you read your line. Okay. See you later. You know, I know we're not going with you anyway. It doesn't matter that we got to stop that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I do like the future. I think they're, they're, um, both companies, Marvel and DC are, are coming up with more, uh, you know, I don't know about mature, but more socially relevant storylines. You know, you've got, you're going to have more black Panther stuff happening. Um, you know, DC, I, I imagine they'll start introducing some other people. Like I, I'd love to see like the green lantern core become a movie because then you could bring in John Stewart, black green lantern. Hey, there you go. There's, there's some diversity and it's actually founded in the comics. And he's one of my favorite green lanterns of all time. Um, you know, the topic uh, of Superman and, and whether he needs to be a white guy, that that's, that's a loaded question because I think the American conscience Basically, anybody who's read super comics for any period of time is going to equate Superman to a white guy. But I think Dan makes a great point. It's all about who's the best actor. If Michael B. Jordan is going to be the best acting choice as far as casting to play Superman, then by all means, let him play Superman. Well, here, here's something. Can he be Jewish? Superman? And I, I'm not even jo- Yeah, I'm not even joking about that. When you consider his origins and the story of Superman, you know, two Jewish guys who wrote that as a reflection out of world war two. Right. Like, like there's, there's more to diversity than skin tone as well. And I think that's the other thing that's important is that, you know, not that we get into religion a lot with, with characters, but, you know, I think that we're, we're going to see the first true non-heterosexual relationship come out of a, out of a superhero couple in the Marvel universe, Mm -hmm. um, come Thor love and thunder that seems to, that seems to be the prevailing theory. Um, and that's you know, okay. speaking of and speaking of <laughs> and speaking of Maeve. characters, oh, oh, Queen yeah. Maeve. I don't think she's mainstream <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah, I, know mainstream. <laughs> I I really want to see Kamala Khan show yeah. up in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The the Miss Marvel that is currently Miss Marvel. Yeah, very much a Mister Fantastic style superhero with powers and that sort of thing. Um, I, she's also a very popular character, uh, amongst comic book fans. So there, there's meat on the bone there, guys. And there is. sorry, Dave, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, but I mean, like, I, I don't think that, I mean, Superman was never really portrayed as any religious sort of, uh, pr- I mean, I think, Oh, Jesus, he's Jesus. Well, if people want to, yeah, I guess people, people have r- written that or read that into it because he's godlike, that sort of thing. But I don't think they intended it that way. You know, that, that sort of thing. But I mean, Superman's a, a tough, a tough concept, but I, but I do agree with Dan. If somebody like Michael B. Jordan or even Idris Elba, who basically came out in Hobbs and Shaw and said, I'm black Superman, which kind of makes, well, then Superman's white. And then you're the counter to that. Then uh, it kind of creates a mission, but it, it does come down to casting and that sort of thing. Now, whether people will accept that, uh, that's that's another conversation for another time. I would hope that they would, yeah. but they might not. You know, because Superman is so ingrained in your in the psyche of people as being a white guy. You know, oh, the, yeah, he's, the he's white guy. Tosio. Yeah, he's the white guy, and that's sort of the it, whitest it, white. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, there's really nothing wrong with Superman not being a white that there's guy. Nothing wrong with that. But I, I don't. We'll, I don't. We'll Seinfeld action for you. <laughs> but I don't. I don't buy that thing. There's nothing wrong with Superman being white, or Wonder Woman being white, or Batman being white. It's just how they were created. It doesn't mean it can't change, sure. but it it doesn't no. make it wrong that that's how they were. That sort of thing. But it, it, yeah. Well, it, 
Go ahead. And now you're getting into you're getting into the concept of white fragility too, and, and that's the thing that I think is really interesting is that part of part of this and we're before and I don't want to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but part of the the pushback that comes out of this is that idea from white folks that now something's being taken away from them, and that's not what representation really is. And, and represent you know representation is not that you're losing your seat at the table is that somebody else gets to be at that table too. And so that is really what I want to see out of comics uh, and comic book movies is, you know, not that Superman needs to suddenly be black and to, to make Superman black just to make him black is a stupid hollow gesture. That means nothing, Mm -hmm. but having representation at the table to where you're utilizing a hero, like a John Stewart, that is on the level with a Superman, that is as important as Superman. And I would think that that's the other place where Marvel still hasn't quite got there yet because we haven't had truly a lead hero of color until Black Panther. We've had characters of color, but they've always been best friends and sidekicks. And that's and that's the, the challenge. And that's what folks are asking for here is that, you know, it's awesome that Falcon seems to be on track to be the next Captain America. You know what I would pay for? I'd pay for a I'd pay for one war machine led vehicle just because be awesome. Um you know that's what made Wonder Woman so special as a movie because there was no and, and not even just that her her part in Batman versus Superman. Part of what made her special was she was not less than or answering to she was. There was no like step behind Batman or Superman. She was every bit the equal to them. And that's what where I think the next step is going to come. And that's why I'm excited for the next phase of Marvel. That's why I'm interested to see what DC can do, because I think that that there's an opportunity for representation to really take hold and be there. And I hope it happens. Uh, and audiences need to get ready for that. Because part of it is the audience can't adjust if they keep being mollycoddled to be gradually led into something that they've always accepted. And I think Black Panther in particular proves that audiences are ready for it. I really wonder woman proves that audiences are ready for it. Captain Marvel proves that audiences are ready for it. So build on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a lot of opportunities. Like you said, you don't have to make Superman black to make a statement. Why don't you maybe bring some of your black characters from the comics and give them exposure in the movies? A black lightning would be a perfect example. John Stewart would be a good example. Bring give Luke cyborg his due. And I, I think you are going to see more of that with the Zack Snyder justice league. I really do. I mean, whether you're going to watch it or not, it's another story. Patrick's reluctant about that, but uh, and if they, I'm going to watch flash, it. If they do that flash alternate universe too, he was more of a character yeah. in that one. He was right. more he of the leader. Huge. He, you know, but, so they could build off that too. But you raised like Luke Cage. You mentioned him. He'd be perfect to get into the MCU. Needs to be in the MCU. Aurora uh, Storm is the one that I think, okay, there's a female minority character who's extraordinarily powerful and a leader and the wife of Black Panther in the comics for at least a period of time. So there's some, there's some, uh, you like know, yeah, like a day or something like that. <laughs> but really, ship didn't last for shit. Yeah. And none of those things ever last. But yeah, you're talking Wonder no. Woman who's, Largely regarded as one of the big three of DC, you know, that sort of thing. You've got the Birds of Prey didn't do well in the box office, but it was all about girl power. And yet Black Canary, who's a powerful character, Harley Quinn. 
So yeah, I, I think the future, it is moving in that direction. I just don't want to see them kind of like what Dan was saying. Let's just do this for the sake of doing it as opposed to why don't you do it because it's a really good story and you can make a really good movie involving these characters that you want to pay attention to. Okay, great. Craft a good story around that instead of just saying, hey, look what we shoehorned in right here to appease to the masses and that sort of thing. So, But I do, I do agree. I mean... Assuming we ever get to go back to the movies, of course, then uh, I think the future is bright as far Available as... on streaming for $20. Just yeah. get to buy it. <laughs> At this point, if they want to release Black Widow for 50 bucks, I'd buy it just to watch the damn thing. It's just... All right, like, we got to move on. Some popcorn. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to move on. We need stuff to review. Give me, give me, give me Black Widow. I'm ready. Yeah. My body's do, ready. Like My body's idea. ready for it. I like the idea. Yeah. That Patrick that you brought up, though, that, and that building on what I was talking about earlier that yeah, it's just, they need more representation. And if it's other characters that are on the same level, you know, bring them in and, and give them that level of, you know, acceptance and, and put them at the same table and make sure they're, they're pronounced that way that they are as important right. of characters, which they are. And yeah, bring more light to those guys too. You don't necessarily have to change for the sake of change. Exactly. You just have to, bring light to the other characters that are on the same level. But you do have to be and careful how you're going to do that so that it doesn't have the perception of, we just did this because we can. It's like, okay. Right. And, I, and, I, and I think that comic book movies for the most part have done a pretty good job of that so far with yeah. the characters that they've put out there. Um, and along with that representation within screenwriting and the movies themselves, as we've gotten to, it also does mean that there needs to be representation. And I think this is a Hollywood problem. In general, there just needs to be representation, stronger uh, intentionality between studios to not just hire a black person to do the black superhero movie or whatever. Hire good filmmakers, hire diverse filmmakers, hire people with good experiences that can make a good movie. And, you know, representation doesn't just matter on the screen. It matters behind it as well. So that's where we're going to leave this conversation for today. Thank you guys. Good talk. Um, we did not give Dave the red ass too much. So that that's a win on our part. DP, I, I think thumbs up to us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm mostly I with, you. I'm so. mostly with you guys on this yeah. stuff, man. That's fair. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk a little bit about next week's show. Next week's show, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to leave the film behind, and we're actually going to go and talk a little music. Next week, we have a guest coming on the show, writer for Forbes, um, amongst other magazines and newspapers, uh, an old college buddy of mine. His name's Jim Ryan, big on the music scene in Chicago, uh, has lived what I would hope would have been my best life. He has interviewed some of the best and brightest. Uh, I got so jealous. He's, and he, I mean, not just music personalities. He's interviewed Ric Flair, um, which made me very jealous. Yeah, is it like we're all like, ooh, what was Rick like? Um, but uh, he, he also does a little bit of radio for WGN in Chicago, which is the big network up in Chicago as well. And he's going to come and talk to us a little bit about the live music scene and, and mostly about how he's going to talk to us about his experiences and whatnot within within the music industry but also talk to us about the pandemic and how it's impacted live music and concerts which 
the thing that I always knew about following Jim and what was going on with his life was what was the next concert he was going to? What was the next show? He was always in on the festival scene, always kind of big on up and comers. And, you know, I think that, you know, music is a big part of nerddom too. And so for us next week, our, our homework assignment, we're going to make some lists, fellas. And Dave, I'm limiting you. Limiting you to Ted. Fine. It's going to be our, Fine. I know. It's going to be our top 10 music acts, artists, however you want to describe it, but 10. Notice I don't have to give special instructions to DP. I just want to make that so. And I Follow look forward the rules, to, brother. Well, here's the thing is I look forward to Dave giving us his honorable mentions anyway. Like, he's just going to do it. Like, we all know. Look, he's shaking I'm his not, head. He's like, I, I, I won't do it this time. You know, I, I will, I will uh, try to be more like DP. There you what go. Would Everyone should strive w- to be more like WWDPD. What would DP do? Wear a mask <laughs> and drink some beers. Um, anyway. It's true. It, I wanted to share with you, though, how this all came about. Because I didn't know this. Ray, or not Ray. Um, sorry. Um, I've been drinking, to, to quote him. Apparently. But, um, shit, what the hell? What I forgot who I was talking to. Um, Platt. Platt, what the hell? Oh, my God. Oh, boy. God, Holy how shit. How can you forget Platt? I am 42 and drinking scotch and just <laughs> drifted. Last week, Platt put up a tweet about Freddie Mercury being like this great front man. And I agreed with it wholeheartedly. And the two of us bonded a little bit over our mutual appreciation of Queen. So much so that when I guested on the Three Man Weave podcast, the first 10 minutes of that show is me and Platt talking about how great Queen is while Ray Cash sits there and is like, are we ever going to talk about sports? Uh, no, he was, he was a really good sport about it. But it, it really came out of that. And now um, the last few couple, like the last week or so, Platt and I have been talking about our mutual like shared music interests and just bands and groups that we like. And it got me thinking about wanting to do a music episode. And I thought, what better way to do it than to do a top 10 with us of just our our acts and our artists and why. And thought that having Jim on the show as kind of the second half for a good interview would would make for for a fun little show. And so I'm really excited to have Jim on on here. Jim Jim Ryan is his name. And um, and get folks to listening because I think think it'll be a lot of fun i think it'll be great and i kind of want to hear a little bit about you know what what are the musicians that shaped us who made us who we are today oh i think you can guess a couple of mine already but i can guess a couple of yours i had the Um, uh shaquille o'neal cd does that count for anything yes yeah i mean if if you want to admit that you can so so yeah so be sure to tune in next week fellow bandwagoners we're going to talk some music i'm very very excited about that uh, we will also talk about the boys episode seven, but really it's going to be a three bullet point episode next week. Cause we know how long it takes us to get through top 10 lists. So, and I, and I'm expecting some variety out of us as, as a group this time around. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of skip it. Cause it's going to be higher up on my list moments. Just, just I saying, see, I mean, if you're talking, it should pl- be very interesting. If you're yeah. talking to Platt about queen, I think that might be a skip. It is higher on somebody's list scenario. I mean, I mean, Dave, we, not everybody's going to have Glenn Miller on there. It's just not going to happen. Lawrence Welk is not going to be a part of our, our list. Let's just say you might be surprised by my list, my friend. <laughs> Lawrence Welk is on your list? I knew it. Slayer, number one, baby. Uh, they might oh, make the top ten. 
Slayer. Nice. All right. Well, we'll save that for next week. We'll get into some in-depth, and it'll be a lot of fun to talk talk about. As I've mentioned before, I've started ending every show with a question. There was an article that popped up this week that they're going to be making a movie adaptation of the video game Fallout. And it got me wondering, one, yeah, look at that. Like, it was like, fear. Fallout. Um, wow. I figured, TP, you probably knew this, right? Did you saw see that. this article? Yeah, I saw that. Started- but it, but it, let, it got me to thinking, because really there's been, now at this day and age, there's been a lot of movie adaptations of video games. Best movie adaptation of a video game, Dave Ungar. <laughs> Best movie adaptation of a video game. Is none of an applicable answer? I, I can't. Shameful. There are, there, are good, there are good video game movies out there, contrary to popular belief. <sighs> I can't. You don't have to. If you if you don't got one, that's fine. I, I mean, worst, Prince worst of Persia wasn't. What worst? Worst. Everybody should have the same answer to this one. Oh God. There's... It's not Super Mario Brothers. You need to go home and die. Oh well, that <laughs> that movie's terrible. Yeah, that oh. one was bad. Uh, God, some of the Doom wasn't very good. I didn't enjoy I, that. I saw Super Mario Brothers in the theater. Ooh. Oh. Nice. That's just depressing. No, it was not nice. I, I felt bad. I was a kid, and I was like, "Damn, I feel bad for my parents." Like, I made them go see this. I, I mean, I guess probably the the Tomb Raider adaptations were the best ones that I've seen. I can't think of any. Dan, you're you're more versed in this stuff than I am. What what's a good video game adaptation that translated over to the movies? Mortal Kombat. Uh, nice. That's an underrated movie. Awesome. The first one, the original one, is pretty good. Yeah, that's the second second one. Annihilation, I think it was. Was find your animality. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thanks. Yeah, Uh, Liu Kang turned into fucking. I don't know. What did he turn into? A dragon or something? He turns into a dragon. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah, the second one wasn't. I like the first one. I don't know. It's kind of neat. That was was pretty good. Yeah, that's true. So I know you're you're not a horror movie guy, so I get why horror movie ones didn't pop on there. The Silent Hill movie is an underrated little flick, in my opinion. And the first Resident Evil movie with Mila Jovovich is not bad. That's true. I I enjoyed both of those thoroughly. So those were my those ones. I tried I tried watching the first one, but I couldn't. They clearly make money because they just keep cranking them out. (laughs) Good lord. There have been some truly bad ones, and I and I lied. Um, the worst, the worst video game adaptation I can think of. Yui Bowl made, um, was it House of the Dead? He made oh, a movie version of House of the Dead. Terrible, and it's it's atrocious. It is atrocious. Uh, do yourself a favor, see if it's on Amazon Prime, and make the family watch it, Dave. You'll uh, make you later. To? Well, I mean, they made you watch weird what? like penis movie one eyed monster. So. Let me let me. Monster. It is. House of the Dead. There you go. Wow. If there, DP, let me, because you're the video game expert. If there is there a game out there you want to see get brought to the big screen that you think would work? Oh, man. Ooh, that you think would work? Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. Ooh. Go ahead, oh, Pat. Final Fantasy VII. It's a linear story that you could, could actually easily Fantasies. tell and make into a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I you think. Final Fantasies. I think The Last of Us right now has got potential. I know the the sequel's got some really mixed reviews, but that's one that they could turn that into a movie. That that might work. Yeah, possible. Yeah, there's potential there. Yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that uh, that I'd really want to see as a movie. Legend of Zelda. <laughs> they need to make a Zelda movie. 
I would all absolutely the, all, love all, that. All of the all of the Zeldas. All of them. All of the Zeldas. Just start it. Just start at one. Maybe skip. Uh, what is it? The Adventure skip Link. Two. Skip. Skip oh. two. Once you learn the jump, the jump play. slash thing. That was what you had to do to win. Where he like points the sword down on a jump down. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good time. Good times. Well, f- fellas, I think that just about wraps it up. We're coming up on our second hour here. Thank you very much for your contributions. Talking some tough topics today. Before we go, why don't we tell everybody where to find and follow us? This week, let's start with DPP. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find and follow you? Well, you can follow me at on Twitter at it's me DPP. You can also follow our new podcast called The Winner Is You, which is dropping on Fridays, and we have Twitter and Facebook both at A Winner Is You, the letter U, to follow that. And I'm also on the DWI podcast where we talk wrestling, and you can follow that on Twitter at Podcast DWI or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash DWI podcast. As for me, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. Like a winner is you. Follow me. Thank you for the follow, DP. I followed you right back. Got your back. I appreciate that. <laughs> Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. There are rumors circulating that it's going to be a DWI Attitude of Aggression reunion on this coming week's show. I'm sure Tony didn't even tell you about that, did he, DP? Surprise, surprise. Surprise. Yeah, he's just going to drop me on you, and you're going to be like, this fucker again? God damn, I got enough problems with him. Uh, that sort of, and make sure you're checking out Bandwagon Nerds, at Bandwagon Nerds on Twitter. We seem to forget to to uh, plug our own show at the time lately. Yeah, we're, we're terrible about that. So, and you can follow me at Wrestling Realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can catch me every Tuesday here on Bandwagon Nerds. And then on Wednesday, uh, fellas, we're back to being called the Greg DeMarco Show, uh, as we just decided this past week on, on Chair Shot Radio that it was no longer Chair Shot Radio and it's the Greg DeMarco Show. Greg I changes forward- his mind once a month, doesn't he? <laughs> at least. He, he did it. He did it on the show. He kept calling the show the Greg DeMarco show while we were recording. And so he was just like, you know what? Back to the Greg DeMarco show. They can deal with it. So it was really funny because I had done, I did a guest stint. Like I mentioned before, I did a guest stint on the three man weave and uh, was pumping chair shot radio on my goodbye. And then the very next day it was like, just kidding. So, so yeah, so I'm back on the Greg DeMarco show. That, podcast drops every wednesday that's with me greg demarco and miranda morales that's going to do it for this week's edition of bandwagon nerds fellas great conversation next week excited to have jim ryan on to talk a little bit of music but until then folks climb out of the basement get some sun maybe watch hamilton i hear it's on disney plus and pretty good until then you've been listening to bandwagon nerds on the Chairshot radio network at thechairshot.com
So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs>